Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. So we're going to jump straight in. I believe in, tw- in almost 22 years of ministry, this would be the first time I have ever preached a message out of the book of Lamentations. So if you would, get your Bibles, open them up, Old Testament, book of Lamentations. Don't be ashamed if you've got to look in the front to find out what page it is. It's a pretty obscure book. We don't spend a whole lot of time in it. Um, the, the word lamentation literally means, um, in the Hebrew, it means to cry out. Jeremiah is the author, even though the author isn't mentioned in this, it's very well known that if you read the book of Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah covers the destruction of Jerusalem when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked Jerusalem. And basically, I don't want to get into too much of the history. I went down a rabbit hole on this. I'm here to tell you, I was having trouble pulling myself out of it. Uh, I'm going back in that rabbit hole uh, sometime when it's not just sermon preparation because I'm here to tell you it's an interesting rabbit hole to look at all the history around this. Uh, depending on who you talk to, this was somewhere around 5, 589 B.C. Uh, to 605 B.C., depending on who the source is that you're looking at. So this is, this is the, when, when uh, Israel stir, first starts going into the captivity of other nations and they do this all the way up into the point that rome takes them and it's kind of poetic i think that it's poetic to them i don't know whether to say it's ironic maybe is a better word that uh the temple that was destroyed by nebuchadnezzar was rebuilt and destroyed again in the same month by the romans in 70 a.d both times the temple in Jerusalem were destroyed. They were destroyed in the same month. And the, it, the Jews always co- commemorated this uh, twice a year uh, so that they didn't forget. Now, Jeremiah, it's important to understand that Jeremiah would have been an eyewitness to the destruction of Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar. Politically, the king of Israel at the time messed up. He messed up. Uh, he, he basically had a peace deal with Nebuchadnezzar and then he turned around and he went to one of his other friends and decided that they were going to uh, both take over Babylon, which was a very bad choice. So Nebuchadnezzar retaliated and Jerusalem fell because of it. Now the question is, what kind of things did Jeremiah see? I want you to think about this and picture this in your mind. An invading army who is not just an invading army, but now an army who truly feels that it is actually responding to a genuine threat. Are civilians safe? Private property safe? Kids? They go special lengths to make workarounds for kids? anybody who's seen any part of war at all knows what the collateral damage of a war is imagine being jeremiah watching the slaughter of the israeli people imagine him watching as the walls of jerusalem 25 feet thick imagine as he watched the walls of jerusalem crumble 
as he watched them go into the temple of the God that they so highly questionable appreciated that the armies went into the temple and they took all of the gold and all of the silver and all of the gems they took everything that was precious inside the temple and they took it what do you think this meant to a Jew to have all of the sanctified items in a temple taken by an enemy who did not serve the same God the blood that he's seen the destruction that he would have seen the immorality that he would have seen as this invading army would have come in completely unhinged. And this is Jeremiah's cry out. Just cry out. We're going to read for a little bit. I want you to pay close attention to what he's saying. I'll stop along the way a little bit and kind of explain a little bit, but we've got to get to a certain point or this sermon's going to be a bummer. Okay, because the first part of this sermon's a bummer and I don't want it, to, re- I don't want it to, to remain a bummer when we all leave here. So, Jeremiah... I'm sorry, Jeremiah writes for us in Lamentations chapter 3, starting with verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell, like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy, even when I cry out and call for help. He shuts out my prayer. Now, I want want you to, to realize something. Jeremiah is expressing here what he's feeling as a result of what he's seen. Anybody here, even though you've been promised that God will never leave you or forsake you, would have swore at particular parts of your life that he was nowhere to be seen? Because we get in those places. You ever pray a prayer and so passionately want what you want out of that prayer that if you don't get it, you consider it a prayer that God didn't answer? When in reality, an unanswered prayer is an answered prayer. And sometimes a no is the answer and sometimes a yes is the answer sometimes not now is the answer but if you're like me and you want something so badly and you pray fervently and passionately and God doesn't move the way you want him to in that moment how does it make us feel he's abandoned us right he shut us out He doesn't even hear what we're saying. Ever been there? It's where Jeremiah's at. Verse 9 says, He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in secret places. He's turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made me the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I've become a laughingstock to all my people. Their mocking song all the day. You can actually read all about this in the book of Jeremiah. He doesn't mention Babylon in here. 
he doesn't mention Nebuchadnezzar in here. If you read these accounts in Jeremiah, guess what he mentions over 150 times? Babylon or Nebuchadnezzar? He doesn't name it here. You know why? Because Babylon's not the issue. You know why he says that they've made, they've mocked him, that he is the source of their mocking song? Because for the longest time, Jeremiah's running around to his people. You can read them all, every one of the prophecies. Every prophecy where Jeremiah stood before God's people and said, God is going to get us for what we're doing. Do you know that he was publicly chastised and corrected for doing that? Do you have any idea how hard it is to watch people fall when you know it's going to happen? And man, I wish I was wrong more. To watch people 10 steps away from a catastrophic choice that's going to hurt people in a blast radius is just monstrous. And to watch them step after step walk towards the point of no return. He makes kind of a pretty good point in 15. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drunk with wormwood. Wormwood's the name of the meteor in the book of Revelation that falls to the earth that poisons a third of the waters. So he's talking about wormwood that tastes bitter, that's poisoning, and he's saying, God, you have afflicted me with this. When the truth is, let's get right down to the meat of it, can we? When you came to Jesus, what was the attitude that you came with? Sure, we'll see how this turns out. Or was it, thank you, Lord, for providing with me, me with an eternity. And I realize with that eternity that this life is expendable. Here I am. Send me. Send me. And when you say, here I am, send me, do you know what you just did? You just put yourself in the places that he told us to, to be. You just put yourself in the position that he's told us to be. And sometimes, do you know what that means? You're going to get hurt. Most of the hurt over 22 years has been directly involved with ministry. I have a pretty good reason to blame God for that, don't I? This is his business, right? He should know better than to call somebody into something, set them right in front of a, a fast-moving freight train. What kind of God is he? He's a God that knows that that freight train ain't going to kill you, but it's going to put you in the hospital next to a nurse who needs to hear his story. Because again, otherwise, 
My God's just allowing mean things to happen to people for no reason. But you see the difference. If I say, Lord, here I am, send me, and I believe that God's a sovereign God. I believe that he created it. He can do anything that he wants to do it, to it. Me, you, everything on this planet, he created it. He can do whatever he wants to with it. If he wants to send it to hell, he can send it to hell. If he wants to provide it eternal life, he can provide it eternal life. He's given people the opportunity to make those choices. Our choices don't always work out for the best for us. I can sit here and tell you as a Christian, most of the time it don't work out what's best for us. We are the individuals who have to go to Nineveh and share a message that's not going to be popular. Expecting to be slapped with fish. Have you ever watched the Veggie Tales? But that's who we've been called to be. We've been called to be the Jeremiah's in the world. We've been called to be the individuals who are willing to walk out into the darkness and proclaim the gospel light so that people have the opportunity to hear it and see it. Because there is nothing more glorious than seeing an individual who is addicted on drugs, no longer addicted on drugs, addicted to alcohol, no longer addicted to alcohol, depression being a continued threat, being removed from the picture because people are centering themselves on what we were created to center ourselves on. Take away from our hardships. They're real hardships. But I preached a message a few weeks ago. Even your hardships have purpose. Especially your hardships have purpose. Verse 16, he says, He's broken my teeth with gravel. Me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I've forgotten happiness. So I say, My strength has perished. And so my hope from the Lord. He sounds pretty down in the dumps, doesn't he? I mean, those, every one of those verses prove that the last thing that he said is true. His strength has perished, and so has his hope from the Lord. What is there without hope? But just like a little kid throwing a tantrum, Eventually, we stop throwing a fit. We gather up all of our brain. And we talk to him. This guy who has done all of these things to us. This God who has put us in all these positions for all this hurt. When we get to hurting so bad... There was nothing to the relationship. Why do we always end up bending the knee? Because nobody likes going through it. And let me be clear in saying that I think that 2019, 2021, 2022 go down in history as some of the most horrible years in all of our history. the losses that we've experienced. Most of us at some points have had to ask why. 
And we find ourselves in a very similar position that Jeremiah was in. We've witnessed it. We've witnessed the impact and the destruction of all of the individuals in the world and the way that that affected the church was completely catastrophic across the board. He says in 19, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. In other words, he centers himself again. He says, Lord, just please don't forget. Don't forget what I've gone through. Because God knows better than any of us what we've gone through. He knows when something hurts and when something hurts deeply. He knows the complications that come along with every hurt and every scar that we that we carry. He knows how those inter- how those affect our interactions with people, how they affect our relationships. He's just saying, Lord, don't forget what I've been through. And then he turns a little. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. How many of you guys have ever had one of your kids in the moment look you square in the eye with a scowl on his face and say no? Happens, doesn't it? And I'm not going to say there aren't consequences to that because there are. But eventually a kid comes around, right? Eventually, who knows how long it'll take, but eventually the kid will know they did something they wasn't supposed to and then it's best for them to take notes and not allow that to happen again. And the next time they can't control their emotions and their mouth writes a check that their backside can't cash, the consequences are consequences, right? But I've never seen a kid not survive it. And I've never seen a kid a day later not even remember that it happened. We are such like kids. And the truth is, it has been a hard three years. And there's been plenty of things to, to challenge and to weaken and to strengthen our faith. Regardless of where we get, we get to the point that we have to not just talk to him, but do what he says in the second verse there. Surely my soul remembers. Remembers what? Surely my soul remembers who you are. Surely my soul remembers everything that you are to me. This I recall to my mind. Verse 21. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. You may have heard it this way in the King James Version. His his mercies are new every morning. 
You see, the reason that grace is so important for us to get is because God created us and He knows what we're capable of. And He knows that there are areas of our life where we're going to face struggles and difficulties that are going to be very difficult for us to deal with. He knows it. So I'm going to fuss at Him occasionally. Because of my selfish circumstances, I'm going to fuss to Him. Sometimes I'll fuss at him. I'm going to be in emotional states that may one day provoke me to handle something wrong because of the pressures and stresses that that life brings about. And although I'll put all of the effort that I can to not be in that person who makes those mistakes, I'll also be very mindful of the fact that I'm a fallen human being and I'm quite capable. And we don't survive if we don't grasp what grace is. Did you blow it yesterday? Look at it this way. God has a mercy meter. For most of us, I mean, you look at it as a mercy meter, a patience meter, compassion meter, you can put it as anything. God has a mercy meter that never empties. It never empties. So we try our best to be the people that God wants us to be, realizing that sometimes we live in the city that just got attacked. And what God allowed, allowed our, murder, our, our, our neighbors to be killed. Allowed our God to be shamed, allowed our temple to be ransacked. And the mistakes that people make in those circumstances are probably many and could be pretty major. You know what you need every day, even now? Because we may not be being attacked by an invading country, but we are absolutely being attacked by an invading force. And I've said many times before, what was Babylon after? The temple. What was Rome after? The temple. What's Satan after? The temple. Not the third one that's not been built yet. Not the shadow of the Dome of the Rock that now sits there. But the temple. Where is it according to the New Testament? He's not after a building. He's not after a structure. He's after our hearts. And I've told you many times before, one of the hardest things for a preacher to talk about is money. It takes money to keep the lights on. I've had people quit the church because I mentioned tithing in a sermon. The sermon wasn't on tithing. It was just tithing was in the sermon, and I drove the person out of the church an uncomfortable topic (laughs) 
if we can't let go of any of our past, of any of our history, and eventually find ourselves at the point where we are kneeling in our souls, remembering who God is, then we just continue to live scatterbrained lives that have no purpose. We can fill a spot. We can put a warm body in a position. And he brings up this point, and I'll close. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. Out of all of the things that you guys have experienced in your life, out of all of the hardships which always seem to get the focus, no matter how hard or bad your life has been, have you ever seen Jesus in it? And when you've seen him in it, what was his effect? His compassion never fails. Seems pretty cold just to let people die like that. But if you continue to read on in this, you know what it points out? God wept when those people were killed. Imagine being the one that in order for you to accomplish what you need to accomplish, to have the power to stop something, but to know to stop it is to completely set salvation on its ear. It's not possible. Push the button. You can stop it at any moment. Jesus didn't have to die. When they said, hey, take yourself down from there, could he have done it? He could have. but he absorbed the hardship. He put up with it. He took it. In every one of our lives, when Jesus has showed himself, we've seen the positive. And I'll challenge you. Sit down and make the list. Make a list of the bad things in life. Put a little check mark next to them. If the bad things in life were provoked by your own bad choices, and then write down the good things in life where you've seen Jesus at work, and I guarantee you, you will have more things that you have seen Jesus work in your life than you will ever have the influences of the devil. The whole point of this is there's plenty around you to discourage you, and it's okay to be discouraged, and it's okay. It's okay to talk to God however you want to. Just be ready to hear how he responds. He's compassionate. His mercy is new every morning. But don't think that he won't knock you on the ground if you uh, step out of line. Because when it comes down to it, we really have no idea what we're messing with. Why do you think he only gives us one basic responsibility? He says, hey, here you go. Here's this gift. It's for you. Here's another gift. Oh, no, that's too much. This one's for you. Why do you think he only gives us one, pretty much one gift? Why does he give, why is that the standard? The standard is everybody gets one. Why is it the standard? 
because we aren't capable in many cases of handling two and there are many more people who aren't capable of handling five so he says here's one can you take care of that for me you know what you don't do to jameson you don't hand him a fork in one hand and a piece of trash in the other and say hey go throw this in the trash because you know what happens with a fork the fork goes in the trash we're just like kids if we ever figure this out and it makes a lot of sense it really is logical God created us to have a relationship with him through our relationship with him we come to know more who he is and who he wants us to be through the relationship we continue to become who it is that he wants us to be until he says now since you've followed me long enough this is where your responsibility has led you and he starts knocking out those little things in our lives that are not the good things in our lives the things that hurt our testimony the things that make people question whether we're telling the truth the things that remove anything that damages the gospel he removes that's what your sanctification is about it's not about god being a bummer announcement god telling you not to do things is not just him being a bummer putting a weight on your shoulders and being an unfair god who just sits back ready to whack somebody every time they make a mistake that's not who god is the truth is if i was the same kid that i was at 16 years old i would be effectively useless when it comes to the gospel it took the last 21 22 years of sanctification to make me the person that i am today and it's all him that says hey now you're more readily prepared for the gospel why because somewhere along the way i decided to start listening to him then what was the effect oh my goodness believing kids believing son-in-laws believing grandkids it's overwhelming when you think about it how how did god take this kid who up until the age of 16 messed up in the drugs and the alcohol that he was messed up in with a foul mouth who tried to take advantage of every circumstance that he could would steal in a heartbeat beat if he could if he if, if he could get away with it how did this kid at 16 years old all of a sudden become a target for god to say you're useful to me in the future for the gospel this is what's so amazing was the yet while we were still sinners christ died for us that's what's so amazing about this gospel message if it wasn't for his mercy i could never be the person i am today because he would have offed me the day after i trusted in him His mercies are new every morning. Your eyes open in the morning. You trust in Jesus as far as he's concerned. Yesterday never happened. So you open your eyes, you get out of bed, and you try again. And this time you do it different. And you try to listen to the way he wants it done, and you do it different. And then the next morning, if your eyes open, you see the light, you do the exact same thing, you forget what happened yesterday. Did you do the best you could? That's the best you can do. 
Any mistakes you made are gone. They're buried with Christ. They're gone. So the next morning, your eyes break open. His mercies are new. You have a clean slate. Try again. The point ain't you getting it right. The point is you having a a heart that desires to try to get it right. Because there's going to be things in our lives that we're not going to have mastered when Jesus comes back. And if it's not Jesus coming back and you take your last breath, you're not going to have everything mastered before you take your last breath. The work of sin in our lives as human being is never done. It will always be an influence. Jesus is teaching us to control it. And he stripped the power to prevent it from controlling us by saying the penalty of that is gone. New Year's. Three years have been terrible. Have mistakes been made? Forget them. We don't forget the lessons we've learned. But we forget the mistakes that were made. because I don't care what the circumstances are you give me an opportunity to I'll find something I can regret and if you think me waking up in the morning regretting something doesn't affect my entire day you got nothing coming there's something too some people like putting things in their ceilings and I would love to have a great big poster on my ceiling that just says his mercy is new every morning. So it's the first thing you see when you open your eyes in the morning. Just to remind you, hey, brand new slate. Time to get up and try again. If you're here today, you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I can tell you. As bad as it seems like the world is, I personally could not imagine being in the world without him. If you're here today and you're a believer, either of you can come up. Never placed your trust in Jesus, placed your trust in Jesus. You want me to pray with you? I'm welcome. I'm, I'm welcoming the opportunity for you to do that. But believer, there comes a point where we also have to remember in the midst of all of the hardships, in the midst of all of the difficulties, we have to remember who God is and remember what he's done for us not only on Calvary, but what he's done for us in our own lives, the things we've witnessed through the years. Could they have been easier? Yes. But even though they weren't, we still see him in the midst of them. Recognizing. Clean slate. 2023. I've already heard some good dad jokes. I've stored them away. If you have a decision to make, please come forward. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. 
That's why God sent his only son Jesus to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, he came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link, with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.